For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts, and we're taking a break in the action of doing our rankings for each position group. If you missed the quarterback one that is currently up now, we've also done every single offensive position group, and then now we're going to transition to doing the defensive position group rankings, and we'll also do a defensive version of today's episode later down the line. But today's pod, we decided to have some fun. And we're going to be doing superlatives for the offensive crop of prospects in this year's class. So we're talking about how we would categorize certain guys. And we've got a fun list of superlatives that we're going to go through today. Some are positive. Some are negative. You'll have to find out how those uh, how those are going to stack up. Ryan, how are we doing today? Good, man. Good. Uh, this is These are some of my favorite shows. I love the superlative stuff. I love the games that we play sometimes. Mm. It's it's fun when you get down the stretch because then you just start to be able to, uh, to have a little bit of fun because Joe's very like <laughs> stickler. We need to we need to stay to a schedule. And because like, we you know, do. Because if we just loosely not, did whatever we wanted to talk about, we would be finishing our defensive rankings a month after the draft happens. Joe, I'm not insulting you. This is what you do. You're a producer. You're a host. Like you, this you, is true. You do that structure. I'm just saying I like yeah. to have a little fun sometimes. That's all okay. I'm saying. Yeah, so you could probably guess that Ryan texted me the other day and said, let's do a superlative episode. So this is how that came to be. So we're going to get into those. Before we do, though, folks, I want to tell you about today's sponsors. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined, and the final four is set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championship? Head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of your, sorry, for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, folks, tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, Ryan, category time. Let's start with the first one. Uh, This one, very straightforward and simple. Best athlete in the offensive class. So we're talking about a guy that is not necessarily the best prospect because that means a a number of different things, but just overall Mm -hmm. pure size, speed, athleticism. Who is the biggest athletic freak in the offensive class? Well, fortunately, we did this one after the combine, so we have a little bit of data to kind of align with this one. I I think it has to be, Joe, and like if you push back on me, I I applaud you to do so because I was thinking, (laughs) I mean, like a few weeks ago, I probably would have said it might have been a uh, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, but then obviously he did not test nearly as well as some people expected him to. So I deferred to Christian Watson, who has been one of the biggest risers amongst amongst this group of wide receivers in 2022. Six foot four, 211 pounds, ran four three six, had a right near 30 uh, 40 inch vert. I think it was like 38 and a half, 39 inches. Tested just phenomenally across the board. So I gave him the nods for the height, weight, speed aspect of everything. Was also thinking about Evan Neal out of Alabama, but. We have not, unfortunately, I think the pro day is happening as we're recording, so we don't have athletic testing numbers, but he probably would have been a 1B to the conversation. But I gave the nod because Jody Leone is a huge FCS fan. So oh, given the stop. odd. That's not to, why you picked him. To super sleeper Christian Watson. First of all, don't call him a sleeper. We've done this before. <laughs> I'm not going to scream into the void. Just because you didn't know who he was, folks, and you don't know what FCS football is does not make this man a sleeper. If you see the man move, you know that he's not. But besides that, yeah, I don't I don't know how you could pick anybody else to to be the best athlete. Evan Neal certainly does fit that criteria, and I think he's probably right up there with him. But like I said to you before the show, mm-hmm. I believe Christian Watson had like the second highest RAS score for a wide receiver, and the guy above him was Calvin Johnson. And we know how much of a freak Never. athlete he was. Never heard of him. Never heard of Calvin Johnson. <laughs> no, but it's. I think he was decent. <laughs> yeah. From a testing number perspective, I mean, Christian Watson's up there with guys like Calvin Johnson. You said, obviously, he's not the prospect that Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss was coming out of Marshall. But from a testing perspective, he's right in line there. And, and you can watch the film in North Dakota State and know that he is got incredible speed for his size, but then you see kind of the change of direction stuff he had as well, which was kind of eye-opening as well. So I think there's an opportunity where top 50 pick Christian Watson, maybe late first round pick Christian Watson. I think it's all potentially there, and it is all because he is such a good athlete, which is why he's made this massive rise. Yeah, if he wasn't anywhere near the athlete he is, I don't think we would be talking about him as, as much. You're muted. You're muted, bud. You're muted. You're muted, Joe. I wasn't I'll, muted. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. I actually like hit the button, and for some reason, it still did not unmute me. But I was just going to say, I mean, because to, to your point, he would not be nearly as drafted this high if he didn't test this well because he's coming from North Dakota State, which doesn't throw the football much. So, like, he had good right. production for the 
for the targets he got, but it's not like he was a high volume receiver. It's not like this guy was Cooper cup, what he did at Eastern Washington, right? Like he needed to test out of the world. And he went to the senior bowl. He had a really good week at mobile. He tested like an insane athlete, a historically significant athlete. So good process, man, props to him. He's one of the bigger winners in this, uh, this draft cycle, I would say draft process. Right. Hard to really flash that production when they, they barely throw the football uh, mm-hmm. in North Dakota. So, First great pick there. Now, I I did mention that we do have some negative categories. This isn't going to be all fun and games. If anyone did their high school superlatives, I'm sure that their yearbook included some negative ones to to have some fun. And first negative one, worst athlete. Who do we think is just, man, this guy, sorry to to be the Debbie Downer, but like, who do we think just can't move for the life of them? And and it's probably going to really impact them in this cycle. Oh, man, I feel bad about this one because it's more recency bias because I just saw this number come across the uh, the timeline yesterday on Twitter. So I knew that Jacksonville St- former Jacksonville State tight end transferred to Boston College for his final year, Trey Barry, tight end. Very productive at Jacksonville State. Very productive at Jacksonville State. was pretty productive for Boston College in, in his lone season. Now, he's a six foot six plus 250-pound guy who also has like 34-inch arms. So he's a pretty big tight end. But, Joe. I knew he wouldn't be the most explosive tester of all time, but my man ran 5.16 at the Boston <laughs> College. If anything over five for a tight end, I'm I'm immediately uh, I'm out. It's it's over, man. Especially for Trey Pe- Trey Barry is not a blocker. Like he's a he's supposed to be a receiving threat at tight end. So that's where you're like really like wow, man. Like you're not a great athlete either. Like and you're just a receiving option. That's trouble. That's not a good good sign for Trey Barry. Mm. Uh, very unfortunate, man. Because like five one six, we just had six guys of the offensive line class go sub five seconds. Then we just had a tight end run five one six. So very bad time. I didn't even see the rest of his workout. All I needed to see was that forty time. I'm just like, yeah, you're not getting drafted, friends. Like that's not good. And, and separate from the notion of if he gets drafted or not, but like, can we even think of a tight end who's had a successful career that? We're not talking about just over five seconds, like a five one. I I don't think yeah. there's anybody who's had a a successful career with that slow of a number. Now I remember I remember Georgia had a tight end named Isaac Nada that came out a few years ago. Oh God, and I he, remember him. Oh my he God, had, he had some hype, man. And then yeah. he went to the combine. He ran like four nine four, and then people were just immediately like, "You can't play at the NFL level," and he didn't last. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, when you're getting to the five-second mark as a tight end, it's debilitating. Like, you just can't play. If you're a great blocker and you're a Lee Smith that's like 260, 270 pounds, it's just going to be a second-string tight end and just be a dominant blocker, that's a little different. But when you're a guy like Trey Berry who literally makes his living off of catching the football, that's where it's a very troubling situation. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard sell for me. Uh, next category, Ryan, that we have is highest upside. So we're, we're talking about a prospect that if they hit their potential, they're going to be a top three player at their given position group. Extremely dominant, someone that we're constantly talking about being one of the best players in the NFL. Who is your pick for this? It's got to be Evan Neal. It's got to be Alabama offensive tackle, six foot seven plus. He's testing again, like like I think as we're recording this mm-hmm. on a Wednesday morning. But six foot seven plus, 
337, 34-inch arms. I mean, the kid holds 337 better than most people hold 180 pounds. Like, it's just absurd. I'm one of those people. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, man, it's just like just looking at how he structured his body. Just has It's such a clean frame. I mean, this kid has played at 350 plus, and he could definitely play at 350 plus because his body just is suitable to hold that type of weight. So, he has not hit his ceiling. He has not. He has played right guard, right tackle, and left tackle during his career. So he has never played the same position in multiple years back-to-back. So I want to see him in the NFL a couple years in a row playing the same position. I think he could be – I mean, I don't – I don't. I think that Kyle Hamilton is the only player in this draft that I would even cl- cl- close to put the generational label on. But Evan Neal does have generational upside because that size is just not typical, and mm-hmm. he's got really nice feet for his size as well. So Evan Neal on the offensive side of the football, for me, has to be the guy with the biggest upside just because you just don't see guys every year come out that look like him. You know, like it's just not a typical thing. So we mentioned how he would fit into that, that best athlete category, and I think what separates – him from Watson for why he takes the crown for for highest upside here is because that athleticism is backed by really good play mm-hmm. and him going up against top tier talent. So that that makes a ton of sense because he's just he was so good at Alabama in spurts. And if like you're talking about, if you can get that athleticism to really live up to his performance on the field, that that is going to be a really really good tackle at the next level for a long time. Absolutely. I mean, it, a offensive tackle position is really dependent on traits. And at the position there again, six, seven plus, 34 inch arms, really quick feet, 337 pounds. He kind of just checks all the boxes. So this kid could be one of the better left tackles in the NFL or just one of the better offensive tackles in general, even if he's forced to play right side, depending on, you know, maybe the New York Giants get a shot at him or a team mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I think that the upside is all there, man. My two biggest things always, they're, they're the unteachables, of course, that we talk about, the length and the size profile. But the two most important factors outside of just the body composition is flexibility and core strength. Evan Neal has both of those things on top of being an alien born on another planet. <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of upside is who has the lowest floor? And what I mean by that, folks, is... If this guy doesn't hit, he's not sticking around for very long. This is somebody who, if it doesn't work out, they're not going to make it past probably halfway through their first contract. They'll be in and out. It'll be a quick realization of, wow, this guy can't do it, and he's done. Yeah, I went with Daniel Falele, the offensive tackle out of Minnesota, man. He's just he's such a tough player to figure out because he has size that we have literally just never seen at the position. He is over six foot eight. He is near 400 pounds. I think it was 387 at the combine or 389, somewhere in that ballpark. And he's just massive. And it's not even like really bad weight, Joe, in my opinion. Like he's just mm-hmm. a massive broad shouldered dude. Like he's just huge unfortunately the the film just does not match the size right now i don't think he's a great athlete i think he's a good athlete for his size but i am really struggling with him because i just don't think he needs to quite be that big like i think he should lose a little bit of weight because i think that it hurts his flexibility a little bit and just the ability to to work laterally like i think it could be a lot better so if a team is able to find him and then get him down maybe to the 370 range i think he's got a chance but like Right now, this this guy does not play to his size. He's a little bit of a timid blocker, in my opinion. A little bit passive in his approach. And those guys, like he's gonna be hard to he's gonna be hard to 
really play at the next level right now. And then uh, to start, and then also the other sense of the, like the NFL is going so hard to inside zone, outside zone, heavy schemes. This kid might just be a gap power only right tackle at the next level, which is troubling because it's just less and less opportunities. So I am very worried about Daniel Falele. I feel like he might get lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think he's still going to get drafted pretty early, probably top 100, just because you just don't see that size profile. But he's a guy that I think could really struggle if he doesn't find the right system and the right fit. And I, I see for like the, that reasoning and the timidness, it's I still disagree with how he's included in the next category. And for some context of what I'm referring to, our next category is who would you least want to run into in a dark alley? Or I guess the, another way to, to phrase this is who would you not want to piss off in, you know, in, 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 a, in a situation where it's going to be a one-on-one and you're going to have to deal with this guy. I think Trevor Penning is far and away the obvious pick here. You also included Daniel Floyle because of his size, but like, I just don't think he's that mean. Like, I just, I get it that he's big, but like, I'd obviously be afraid to fight him, but I just don't, I just don't think that, that, that aggressiveness is, is there for, it's not even close to what Penning has. And Penning's not that much smaller than him. He's like a little bit smaller than him. Well, here's the two ways I look at this, Joe. There's two layers, okay? One is you walk down the alley and you see a guy meet. You're like, oh, snap, son. I am walking the other way, right? And then there's the other side of it where you walk down the alley and then you get your ass kicked. Like, wait, wait, you know, you know what? Yes, it, yes. But you know what? Yeah. I did see Daniel Foley like, up close in person. And I, again, wasn't intimidated. I was just Ow. like, hey, it's a big guy. It's a really big guy because I was in a locker room with, with not as big as Falele. But with a bunch of offensive linemen, Joe, it's like I, I'm. It's not like I'm like not used to being exposed to large, large linemen and stuff like that. But again, I wasn't intimidated. I was just like, oh look, it's Daniel Flaley. He's so big. Look, man, he's six eight plus, near four hundred pounds, has eleven and something inch hands. Like the dude is Good, massive. He's big. Man. He's big. Yeah, he looks like a teddy bear. I don't. Well, I don't think there's any disrespect in that. But he just I, does. I mean, I, I think when you talk to him, I definitely get the teddy bear vibe. But like, if I just saw him in a dark alley, I'd be like, all right, that massive humanity, I'm walking the other way. Like, I'm not just, I'm just not going down that alley. Okay. Trevor Penning, on the other hand, he has that effect too, because he's also 6'7, 330. Like, he's a big dude as well. Yeah. But he He'd also, actually he you. actually would kick your ass. Like, he 100% would. He is, I mean, everybody saw the senior bowl, right? So, like, they know he's a nasty Throwing dude. Hands. Like, there was a there was a little tidbit about him that came out. I, I think it was Saw, but it was one of those scary movies where he watches those before the case, which is like, oh, man, this guy might actually hurt he's somebody. Cracked. Like, yeah, he's a little <laughs> cracked, man. So definitely would not want to go down the, the, uh, the, the alley because he's also a humongous person, but also he might actually do something to hurt me. So, yes, Trevor Penning is it's definitely the number one answer, but I think Philele deserves a mention just because how massive okay. he is. Yeah, and yeah. heck, I think that's why Falele just is brought up in conversations for the draft in general. He just deserves mm-hmm. to be mentioned because of how massive he is. That's basically what this cycle has been with him. Yes, it, I mean it is. It is that's that's the selling point for him right now, man. It's not it's big not boy. The, it's not the current um, tangible outcomes on the field for him. Mm. It is literally the fact that he is a rare commodity from a size perspective. So yeah, that's the big selling point for him. All right, next category. Mm-hmm. Who has been overhyped that you just don't get? So oh, somebody man. who the media, everybody has built up that hype 
and you don't really understand where it's coming from. I, I've been talking about this one a few times, man. I don't get the Bernard Raymond thing from Central Michigan. I, I, I don't get it. I understand it when you first kind of think about it for a second because it's like, okay, he hasn't been playing the position that long. He's a former tight end. Like the upside will be more than what the finish, what the product is right now. And I get that conversation, but he is at 6'6, 300 plus. He's got sub 33 inch arms. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit overstated of an athlete. I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. And Joe, he had one of the worst senior bowl performances I've ever seen, man. Like I didn't love the film going into that event. And I mean, I think the guy's lateral mobility is just very overstated, man. He was giving some, some easy inside moves. I struggling with him also because he's going to be a 25 year old rookie. So like, while the upside factor is really intriguing for a lot of ways, I mean, the guy doesn't have the longest shelf life of a t- typical offensive lineman prospect. Like he's not coming out and he's 22 years old, 21 years old. We're like, okay, watch him when he's 25. I mean, if you hit his peak, what, he's already going to be 28 or 29 near the end of his first contract. So I'm really struggling with, with, with Bernard Raymond in those senses. Like I would understand the late day two, early day three type of conversation for him. I would get it. First round hype that he's getting right now. Don't get it at all. I just can't wrap my mind around it. All right, last category that we have, Ryan, on the show. Uh, most likely to succeed. That's the probably the most cliche one that we could have done here. And what I mean by this in the context of football is which player do we feel has the, the highest likelihood to just have a consistent good career? So this is very different from the highest upside of like who is the highest likelihood to be really, really like high end top level player at their position. I'm talking about who sticks around, uh, who, who is productive is a key contributor for a team. And the other angle, I think the, that you could describe this as is who's the least likely to fail. So mm-hmm. based on all of that, I, I really like the pick that you went with here, but who'd you pick? Yeah, um, Joe, I feel like if you had a superlative in your yearbook, you probably got the most likely to succeed, right? Like you you just seem like that kind of guy to me. me. But yes. Dude, I went to – my high school was the number one academic public high school in the state of New Jersey. I wasn't mm-hmm. coming anywhere near that. I had – we put out <laughs> – I, I was considered stupid at my high school because of the <laughs> amount of kids that we sent to Ivy Leagues and to Ooh. like Michigan – and and like all those like top like private schools and stuff. No, dude, I was I do not fit that category. <laughs> and I, I was I was like a similar. A lot of people fit. thought I was a, an f up. If I'm being completely honest, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I I was like a, a middle of the pack student because I never mm-hmm. did homework. I was just like a good. I was tester, the same. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. so middle of the pack for my school was yeah. You know. Dumbass like at five. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But middle no. of the pack, like I had like a three zero and three one oh, yeah. in high school. Yeah, that was a dumbass at my high school. That was like this kid's an f up. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so for for the category of most likely to succeed, so we're talking about consistency and just kind of like a really high floor. I had a tough time distinguishing between two players, so I wanted to include them both. The mm-hmm. first one is somebody that's testing right now that just ran apparently four, five, six unofficially. That is Trey McBride, tight end at Colorado State. Look, you watch Trey and you say. Really high upside as a blocker, already is a good blocker, has more upside in that department, has over 10-inch hands, and he is the best tight end in this class, winning in the air, consistently winning through contact. So you're like baseline, going to be a rock-solid tight end. 
And then you see the four, five, six, and you're like, oh, <laughs> might be a little more athletic than we anticipated. So yeah. I think his upside might be a little more than people kind of give him credit for. But the point of the matter is, I don't see Trey, Br- Trey McBride just not being good. Like he's going to be a good football player at the next level at the very least. Like I think a low end solid starter is the absolute worst outcome for him or at best. I think that he's a plus starter at the next mm. level. So I see a very easy um, transition for him in that role. The other guy I picked was Brees Hall. I think some people are missing over Brees Hall, man. Like I think that he could go late first round, Joe uh, running back out of Iowa state, but like, 217 runs 439 in the 40 40 inch vert and when you're watching on film like you're just like he's a good athlete but he's not dynamic and then you just kind of he kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit because he's a really patient runner with great vision and he just brings it on a snap to snap basis and he's not the most flashy guy I keep comparing him to Curtis Martin that was a really good player for a long time with the New York Jets but like he was a guy that like had the string at one point I think he might still have it of the most thousand yard seasons in a row but I think only one of those seasons he may have led the league in rushing. So it wasn't like he was just the best running back in the league every single mm-hmm. year. I envision that with a guy like a Brees Hall. I don't know if he'll ever be the best running back in the NFL, quote unquote, but I think that he was just going to be a very good, solid starting running back at worst in the NFL. And I think he has upside to be a perennial thousand year rusher. So Brees Hall for me, like I, I feel like he's a can't miss almost. Right. And he too is playing a position where. I think a lot of teams would prefer that somebody that they can mm-hmm. get multiple contracts out of consistent rather than having somebody who rushes for 1800 yards. And then you just never hear from him again. Well, I think he's a good, I think he's a, a nice player to kind of project too, because he is like, he is a guy that tested as a great athlete, but that's mm-hmm. not how he actually plays, right? Like he doesn't win just off of athleticism. He wins because he's got great vision. He's got great patience. So even if he loses a step, I think he could still be successful at the next level just because I think that he's just a calculated, such a consistent runner. So when I think consistency, I think of Reese, Reese Hall, which is why I wanted to include him with Trey McBride in this conversation. I also just want to throw in there too. It also feels like with Brees Hall out of this running back group, I think he's like the most likely to carve out like a primary running back role because Mm -hmm. again, like a lot of teams these days are using multiple running backs. And I think a lot of these other guys in the class, like your Kyron Williams, your Isaiah Spillers, uh, your Kenneth Walkers, they might not really get that those 250 carry type seasons, those 300 carry type seasons, but Mm -hmm. just Brees Hall to me, like you're talking about that vision, all that stuff. I, he seems like somebody who, could be a high impact player because he's getting a lot, a lot of touches and teams can lean on him and consistently. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I think that he's the most clear projection. I think that Kenneth Walker has this to a degree, but like the most, most clear projection to be in high, high volume ball carrier. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I, I mean, I've been a big fan of Brees, you know, all the way through the process. And I think he's just kind of cemented along the way that he is, the best running back in this class, in my opinion. And I think that the reason that he is is because there's more upside than people give him credit for, but also he's got a really high floor as a player. Right. Well, folks, that's going to be it from us. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel or the audio feed at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft on Twitter, at NFL Prospects Pod. Also, head to uh, riseanddraft.com for your NFL draft scouting needs. That's going to be it from us for the rest of your day. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.